0: So welcome to Security Hot Takes from Sam and Jacob. Jacob and Sam. This is Jacob and Sam. This is our new segment, which will run about 20 minutes that we'll be publishing every other week. We have three subjects today. Sam, you want to rattle them off? Yeah, we're going to talk about negative
1: trust, encryptionless ransomware, and the SEC, who have uh, seemed to be trying to make progress on how long it should take to have something they're calling a material disclosure, and we'll talk about that a little bit.
0: Welcome to the episode of We're Not Lawyers. We're at, or doctors. But take our advice okay. and Have you written anything or been asked to write anything on the uh, new SEC rule yet? No,
1: except except in Signal with you. No. Like yeah. we were messaging back and forth. But no, I, I um, who did I see who'd written something recently that was actually pretty good? Um, oh yeah, uh, Brian Hawley wrote something. I saw him right after it happened. But oh yeah, yeah, I like. But no, name I name haven't. Name. I haven't been tempted to. No.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I did because well, it hasn't published yet, but I will on my corporate blog. And I, I defanged it a little bit because it's on my.
1: Ooh, put the blog. fangs back in. Put the fangs back in. But That's fun. for this form, I get that. Yeah, let yeah. let's I get, let's
0: get So I, I don't know if you've seen what the general social media seems to be praising the SEC ruling, which Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with, but it's it seems to be our hero and saver SEC has come and made the C so important is sort of the vibe I get from a lot of the um I don't need some regulators telling me I matter. Yeah. But But do do you one do you get
1: that vibe too? Um, I've been waiting for it for a long time. I've actually been I think that the thing everyone was waiting for was to hear that cyber skills would be required on boards. was what everyone was wanting to hear. And I think that's a little bit too um, aspirational. I think it's much more likely that yeah. rather than dedicated cyber skills, that people will will be encouraged to either have on access cyber and to pay attention to cyber or to have people among their toolkits to have cyber. Our old CFO, Russ Stein, who's, who's a great guy, he blew me away when he asked, hey, uh, you think I can get a CISSP? And I went, Whoa. And then Russ I was, actually, he could. could. Russ could yeah, do it. D- like definitely. He's smart enough. He's smart enough, he could do it. Yeah. Because
0: it's a study exam more than a. Uh, well,
1: I actually think he's smart enough to be a cyber person and he could pass any test he put his mind to. Right.
0: Right. Exactly. That's what's my thinking. So I th- here's my take on, on the ruling that mm. has things. One, I think most people are misinterpreting it as a cybersecurity rule, like as in. It is intended to drive cybersecurity outcomes. The intent oh. is not to drive cybersecurity outcomes. It's to protect shareholders from companies, from making bad decisions around companies that have a high liability from cyber risk.
1: Yeah. And the
0: big difference there is in the rulings, it doesn't say you have to do this. You have to have a third-party risk program. You have to implement an incident response program. And there's two things that you have to sort of do. One is you have to tell people in your yearly filings what type of cyber risk program you have. You can Mm. say, I do none. And you can also say, I do not have cyber expertise on my board. That's acceptable. yep. As long as you're actually saying- For now. Accurate. For now. But this is what the ruling is. Um, And secondarily, the other big part that people are discussing is that you have to disclose any cyber incident within four days of it occurring.
1: This This is how it all starts, by the way.
0: But what- the language says is any material cyber incident, and they cite about three cases uh, as their reference case law. None of them are cyber law that I saw. I might have missed one, but mm. they're all just general fiduciary responsibility case citing. So, like well, for example, the most recent one was from 2011. Mm-hmm. One goes the case sightings. It goes back to 76, I think. So you're telling me that we're yeah, making a, yeah. a reasonable precedent on what material damages from cyber theory, security threats are based on a ruling from 1970 something. Now, um, anyway, so that's going to be up for interpretation. Yeah. If I am a lawyer whose sole intent is to make a soulless <laughs> uh, interpretation that protects the company right. as, as conservatively as possible, I'm going to fight that. what that material like we don't mm. have to disclose this breach. There is nothing material here that an average shareholder would feel would change their decision on investing in our company. Cause that's what it's intended to do. So yep. here's my, my fangs of, of, <coughs> here it comes. bring it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't actually believe this by the way, but it's just a sort of controversial opinion that popped into my well, head. Let's see if we
1: believe it. Let's pass the test. Let's, let's put it through the yeah. test. Right there.
0: If you're an actual sort of bad person mm-hmm. and you look at this, you can essentially say, let's do less security monitoring mm. because then we have no evidence to determine that there's been a material breach.
1: Absolutely. that That's the plausible deniability. Like absent more specificity, that's the only thing that people can do, really.
0: Right. And then let's say, so let's say you do no security monitoring. Let's take this to the extreme. You do no cybersecurity monitoring. And uh, it's leaked that some of your customers' data is on the internet you then go and file your mandatory disclosure of breach because you now have material evidence. Yep. Because it got on. Th- so you don't have to technically do it until that occurs if you're not doing security monitoring because you had no evidence of a material breach.
1: Well, right. the word material is the weasel word. And of course, right. Uh, right. I, I, I mean, yes, we are common law, of course, but this isn't law. This is regulation. It will still get tried. Jurisprudence of a sort is needed. But what, what is... What's gonna happen is people are gonna argue about that. And um because they had the first part, people are gonna say, Well, we met that requirement. And so as long as we meet that requirement, we're good. And everyone will say, This is what happens with all regulations. Something's not done. It's right, and so not specific to cyber. So a rule comes out and everyone says, Oh, I'm gonna use the the male term here, grandfather. I'm gonna be grandfathered out of it. it. Doesn't apply to me, lots of reasons. That doesn't work anymore. So then the next thing that happens is that goes away and then specificity goes up. Oh, we didn't get specific enough. Let's get more specific. Yeah. And then fines go up. And then those two ratchets just keep cranking and they just get, and this, we saw this with PCI. We saw it with FFIC. Mm-hmm. We saw it with HIPAA. I mean, the original but, fines for HIPAA were $5,000, then $25,000. Eventually they went a millions. But HIPAA is a, a law, PCI is a contractual obligation. True, but they follow similar patterns and they actually borrow language from each other. Like they actually borrow the phrasings. And so things that get regulated or legal or turned into law later tend to happen faster and borrow the language from earlier.
0: Right. You can copy and paste <laughs> and, and unless so now you it solve, applies to this too.
1: And unless you solve the root problem, they just keep turning it tighter and tighter and tighter. But the the pattern has been like if I don't know about it, I literally had a CISO tell me this before FFIEC got specific back in 2002 in, on yeah. Wall Street. I said, if I don't know about it, I don't have to deal with it. That was the CISO. And nobody did this thing to help out CISOs in the security department. You're spot on. They did this just to, to help shareholders to some degree.
0: Well, it but, says it directly in the rule of law. I don't...
1: But where's the determination of material happen? Is it the incident responder? Is it the security person, the security executive? Is it the CISO? Is it when they go to the legal counsel? Is it when it gets put into a document and then becomes a material as a document and is sent to the board? Like, right. Is it it in doesn't the audit say. Community? Like, these are and not- Outside
0: of, I, I think it's in between the lines, obviously, the officers of the company are the ones liable for it. But does that mean if the officers were never informed by an incident responder that there was potential material damages? Mm-hmm. Is that negligence or is that-
1: Well, well negligence, right? Um, I, I I just, I come back to it's- It is so hard. It's easy post facto. Like there seems to be this belief that somewhere in the security department, you know, picture down in the basement, you know, floor Uh, minus 42. It's always in the (laughs) basement. There's a screen and it's green. And then one day it goes red and everyone looks at you and goes, do we tell them? Like, Hmm. like as if it was just binary, just boom, now we're done. First of all, there is no screen that goes green to red. There's this fog of war. Everything is very foggy, foggy in level minus 42 and human beings aren't generally down there. Right? Yeah. Somewhere up above, there were oh, several so you don't layers of Was that human
0: beings? I said you don't consider sock animals human beings? Yeah,
1: not really. I mean.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that's course. a joke by the way that sam. was a total
1: joke i actually know what yeah. comment away because that'll be fun but everybody should know that i actually I sam actually has done
0: some really great are. things um for socks over the years and sock animals, some way. of
1: my best friends are sock analysts.
0: yes uh, anyway mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt the train of thought to totally yeah. derail this
1: so back to this so somewhere someone's got to make the decision it's material and you know that's not a correlation rule and you know that's not one of those fangled ais that people are talking about and you know there's no lawyers um like you know no Level negative 42. That's just not happening. And, you know, yeah. most CISOs have been in grade long enough that there's a bit of a translation that happens between the incident triage and the CISO and then the CISO and the audit committee and the audit committee and the board, et cetera. So there's a whole lot of what that's going to happen here, but that's going to get worked out to some degree. The, but there's also a lot of fear in our community, by which I mean the security community, of the negligence work, right? The, this, this is... This is terrifying. There's fear that people can go to prison over this. And there's been cases recently of people being, you know, it
0: was uh, dri- was it drizzle? CISO and Uber CISO? Uber, or? Uber
1: CISO who, well, let's be fair. Drizzle Joe was kinda, a lawyer. Joe Sullivan was a lawyer and he lied to the FBI. If you read, if you read it carefully and folks can go look at this and he knew what he was doing and it's much more convoluted than just he was being taken to court over how he did his job. There's much more to it. And so I would recommend people read it before they go, right. oh, my God, we can go to prison now. Anyone can go to prison or anything um, if they break the law. And civil court can hold you liable if you do something that, that damages someone. That's not that groundbreaking a case. So I just want people to really look at it before they claim that. So first of all, I'm not a lawyer. Not you're not a lawyer either, right, Jacob?
0: No, I am not a lawyer, by the way. This I is love lawyers. not legal advice. They help
1: me understand the law. I don't do my own law. I don't do my own brain surgery. Put those two things right out there. But um this is this is actually fairly significant because it's the start of the escalation, right? Regulation ratchets it up because there's a problem and there is a problem, and then we start to move forward, hopefully. It isn't an easy journey though. We're gonna to have to figure out how to respond to it. That's my take. And I, but I love your putting the fangs back into it here. I don't, I think it would have read, it's like when you send an email and you're like, does this read how I think it will be? Yeah, if
0: I write a blog article saying <laughs>
1: this, people are gonna. Well, hopefully when people I... listen to us, they get mad at me for some of what I said, rather right. than you for your, your fangs here. Cause that's actually a pretty reasonable thing to infer. And I, if I summed it up for you, you can correct me here. Mm. What you're saying is don't just put out a rule and be done there's more to it in the implementation.
0: Right, too. And I, I think part of it, too, is don't believe that you matter now as a security person because the SEC said you have to disclose cybersecurity. Like, there's more to oh, yeah, it. But you still don't matter. Yeah, yeah. None of us matter. Right. Like, that's a I case, know I don't. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, I think people want to be taken more seriously, though, at the executive level. And this isn't the rule that does that. Is my no,
1: no rule will do that. It's going to be an ongoing dialogue. It's going to be a... Growing up, and that doesn't happen because the SEC said, "Thou shalt disclose in four days." Oh, ah, that's a, right. not a thing. Yeah.
0: But that that being said, every uh, once a year now, know, the CFO or auditors or your third party task consultant, whoever does KPMG, whoever is doing your. Uh, document preparation for your public filings will come and knock on the CISO's door and say, Can we have the program summary that we have to mandatorily include in our filing? And the so, EA
1: at that point says, Sorry, she's out to lunch today. Yeah, <laughs> they're out with a she's vendor. Said to say no. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. So there is more responsibility now on the CISO true, from yeah. an executive, from a C suite perspective. But uh, it's once a year. You have to fill out some documents,
1: so, and, and it can be more than that. Um, the audit committee is supposed to be having an ongoing dialogue on a regular basis. Most of us do that. Yeah, um, most most are in good. Public. Risk review programs are happening, especially in public companies and those that are looking to IPO. That is that, but this is happening anyway. You know, it has um,
0: nothing to do with what's happening on the legal front right now. This is proper. Business etiquette for people who do not want to lose their business from a cyber risk. Right, is- and, and and we have
1: a no, we have a tendency to overgeneralize. So what I would say is more companies are doing it better, but that doesn't mean it's good. And I think yes. that's why people are taking steps like this. Um, I'd, you I'd, know, it's, I think. It, yeah,
0: I would say most, com- most companies that are larger, or have a significant technology presence, have a pretty good cybersecurity program at this point. I think
1: so. At least well, people I interact. It depends with. on vertical. You're right. I think the word "most" is the key. Up is a key word there. There's still a few big companies that aren't where they should be. There's still some small companies that are way sure. ahead. Um, Wendy. Now they used to call it the security poverty line, right? And so I think it's becoming a bit more blurry and moving down a bit. But we're still not getting enough security service to this to the lower end of the pyramid. Some verticals aren't getting it, especially outside critical infrastructure. Right, and outside of the obvious, like finance and healthcare, uh, municipalities are suffering. Right, is
0: it? Oh, I mean, yeah, terribly. There's um, security is almost like a middleware right now that doesn't reach the low level or the upper level. It's like it's uh, oh, wow, that middleware. Sense? I like that. Mm. Right, where it's not it's not taken too seriously when you're actually making a real go to market business decision or a um acquisition decision. People do due diligence, but have you ever actually heard of someone not acquiring a company because of a cyber finding? Uh, I, I, I
1: wouldn't know. I haven't I've seen them that. slow down. That happened with Yahoo where the value has changed. Yeah, that was right. So, so it affect it, it has, I've seen it have a material effect on the value of the company.
0: Mm. Um, so that, that's
1: important at the upper level then, but it's still not the norm. Um, I think, I think it's an important check just like, uh, representations and warranties, just like liabilities, right? It's, it's, it is part of the M&A process and a pretty serious one. And the other thing is I've seen security gotten wrong in post merger integration. So people oh, are now yes. much more aware of that. It's the, how does the CISO take care of two domains or more? I was part of a f- uh, five way integration once in, a, in an incredible merger. Uh, Netscout acquired four entities from Danaher Corporation on the same day. And oh, they, they were, they were purchase, managed separately. Like was Ar- Arbor was one of them. Yeah. Um, this is not trivial, um, but then, and then again, IT integration post-merger is also a risk, right? If it takes right. a year, you can't start using apps and start having people work on things together effectively. If it happens in like a month, that's a whole different ballgame from a business perspective.
0: Yeah. I mean, t- technology acquisition or the integration of technology environments is one of the things that's fundamental to getting productivity out of a
1: merger. Oh, yeah. it's 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 like... Time to oneness. Uh, I'm sure there's a real term for that. And right now out there, there's there's some banker chuckling at me. But yeah, there's there's a plan of record, and then there's a time, and and the street pays attention to how long it is until you can effectively say, okay, now they're one company.
0: Right. Um, so there is meaningfulness there then in the upper level of organizations when it comes to yeah. certain evaluations. So when when you can negotiate a better price for something, and we're talking massive assets that you're negotiating on negotiating on in M and A. Then cybersecurity matters Mm -hmm. because you get a discount.
1: And and as a CISO, I've had to report out on the state of security across different, like a discontinuous network and application stack and stuff. And it's murder, right? right? Because that's when people leave. And then you're like, okay, so now I have two incident response teams, two ways of doing, you know, DevSecOps, like two ways of doing patching. God help us. It's terrible.
0: Yeah, there's no good way to do patching. Never mind having two. Yeah, two
1: bad ways of doing it. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. I wrote, I wrote something on negative trust recently, which was fun. Uh, and I wrote about... Uh, I'm not familiar with negative trust in this. Uh-huh. So, so, um, so the principle so behind we'll negative trust there. is, uh, well, we, we start, first of all, with uh, your typical IT environment, which is all about maximizing connectivity.
0: Right, so how mm-hmm. do you how right. do you
1: troubleshoot something in IT? Well, you call up your support, and they go, "Did you reboot?" Right, That's number one, right, and and then they go, "Can you ping it?" Right, number one thing, can you ping it? It can mm-hmm. open up a the shell. second
0: thing after that is is ICMP allowed? I is I, I, is your ICMP
1: <laughs> yeah? Is your ICMP open? Do you, yeah. you get an IP address? Well, yeah, doing that. It's, it's, it's all about connectivity, right? Like, can right. you see stuff? ARP, minus A. like, all is right, the cable better. plugged in? Hello, IT. Have you tried turning it off and on yeah, again? So power's on, you've rebooted. Well, there goes half the checklist. Now, open a shell, can you ping, right? Yeah. You're getting an IP address. This is it because Metcalfe's law has always told us, um, values proportional to how many things can connect. So we connect more. How do you make sure that you get less help desk tickets? You make sure things can talk. How do you make sure that that you know you resolve things fast? You Open them promiscuously. It sounds kinky, but it's not. You open them promiscuously and you make sure they can connect. This yeah. is a maximal trust approach. So what is zero trust? Say? Right. It says actually the principle is least trust. How do you get trust out so that only the things that can that should connect do? So zero trust is not that there's no trust in the system. It's only the trust it's that's needed for the, the business. Trust. Well, there's that yeah. too. right? Trust but verify, not verify but trust. Although that's fun. So it's it's how do you make sure only the trust that's needed for the business is allowed and only when it's allowed. And the word only is key. So Mm -hmm. we go from a world of IT enabling lots of trust to the business requiring least trust or zero trust. Negative trust is what we do to the bad guys. So if we get into that world, so obviously Zscaler, my company is all about zero trust. When we start to put deception in and decoys, what we want is to create decoys in a way that is indistinguishable from the good guys to the bad guys. Ideally, no interruption to the real users. So like identity credentials, files, paths, apps that they would never encounter. But as a bad guy in the environment, they can't tell is door number one or door number two the right one. Right. You have to slowly open doors, hoping there's not security guard on the other side. We want them to have shaky trepidation as they reach for the door handle and go, Oh my God. If I reach for the wrong one, does it alert the door, the guards? And not just one of two doors. How about one of 10,000 doors? Right. Right. And, and in that world, we go from a world where the bad guys just have to get it right once and get through the crunchy exterior to if they get it wrong once, we catch them at the very minimum. And so that's the world of negative trust that I, that I sort of mm. put out there. And it's like port knocking. And I, I, yeah, exactly. But I actually think that, that, okay, I'm going to say the direct words or letters AI. Uh, I actually think that, that things like LLMs can help us name and plant and automate deception better, it might even be a golden age for deception. Um, not that it's here yet, but the right. opportunity for applied things like generative, you know, LL, generative AI and LLMs is a great place for it. And I think what we're going to see, uh, and we had Daniel Miesel on the show, right? He actually, he, did. he has actually talked recently about how attackers are going to get helped first by advances in AI. But later, mm-hmm. there's far more applicability for defenders. And I totally agree with him. And one of those great places is negative trust. There you go. Interesting. That's kind
0: of fun. Now I know something.
1: We. Uh... It's going to cost you $5 million to unencrypt all your files. And then the company sitting there or the target sitting there going, it'll also cost me about $5 million to replace them all. Okay, I'm not going to pay you. So then you've got, to looking through the lens of the attacker, there's a yield, what percent of people will pay me, times the amount that I get. Right. Now, a low yield for a high amount, a very low yield, may produce less money than a high yield for a small amount. And operationally, it might be less expensive. So it becomes a margin game. So they started by encrypting home files, and then they went to small businesses, and then they went to larger businesses and then they started to up the ante and up the ante. And for whatever reason now, we've seen almost 25 new encryptionless ransomware, or at least ransom schemes hit the world because it's more profitable mm-hmm. to skip the cost associated with encryption and the higher demand payment to get a, a more guaranteed lower payment when you don't involve encryption. So you're saying, Pay me and I'm not going to take your IP and I'm not going to out you and I'm not going to damage your customers. You still have a breach, but it will be more contained. Give me this more modest amount, not five million. Give me a hundred grand. I'm gone.
0: Yeah. It's a reasonable amount of money to make.
1: Now, now Uh, word to the wise. If this happens to you, don't do it. Uh, and I say that simply because A, you still had a breach. B, you're still funding criminals. C, double-check with your lawyer because you can go to prison if they're terrorists. Just FYI.
0: What's the definition of terrorist, though?
1: Um, I have a degree in counterterrorism, and that is an incredibly complex question to answer. It depends on jurisdiction. And you are a mean, mean person, by the way. A
0: quick thought on on that ransomware thing, too, is the one that people keep forgetting about, uh, and I'm going to write a blog on this one pretty soon, is uh, if we just use the most simple framework for cybersecurity, which is CIA, confidentiality, integrity and availability.
1: Although we I focus like to add on two things to that, but yes, keep going. I said the most simple. Yes, I know you did.
0: The um confidentiality. Non-repudiation
1: and authenticity. <laughs> I had to say it. I couldn't I couldn't help but could like, could
0: Well then we could argue about what is it, the Picaryan hex pec- hexad, which that adds too, the additional yeah, yeah. But anyway. There's confidentiality there's and availability, and there's more that people focus on consistently. Very few people spend time saying this is how we're protecting the integrity of our data. And as a threat actor, that is a very easy place to target. I get access. I violate the integrity of data.
1: It's a phenomenal one, by the way.
0: I don't need to do anything else. I don't need to exfiltrate. I don't necessarily need to encrypt. I don't. I'm not even going to
1: tell you which numbers I messed with. You go ahead and make your quarterly earnings. You go ahead and and try and resolve (laughs) your accounts at that bank. Yeah, you, uh, I'll hold on to where the errors are.
0: You wait until the customers start calling your support line saying, this doesn't match. You try
1: and fix that. I have a full record of everything that I changed, and you can go and undo it. It's just numbers and complexity. But unless you pay me, I'm not giving it to you. I didn't even take a copy of it. I don't have to. Mm-hmm. We spent so little time you still on still can't take prove you. The rest they didn't, so there's still a breach, by the way, probably. You know, so that would be great. What a what a wonderful thing to develop. And I can't believe I'm about to say this horrible idea. If you could have a provable way of messing with integrity while guaranteeing or being able to demonstrate confidentiality is maintained, then you would have, as an attacker, you have the ability to mm-hmm. ransom someone who doesn't have to say they had a breach. Ouch.
0: Yes, I, I know it. how you could do it too. because we, and We're
1: not going to say any more there. And you're not no. going to patent it because only the bad guys would use it. <laughs> no, Although there was this then. wonderful idea of patenting bad guy techniques so you could take them to court in other jurisdictions where patents applied, but criminal laws didn't.
0: That's interesting. It seems right, like so a, you could say,
1: hey, I'm not going after you for busting into that company. I'm going I'll after fight. you for using this, this patented technique for busting into that company.
0: Or even better, you could take it another level and just become a patent troll. So you're not the bad guy. You're the bad hmm. guy patent troll. So you just yes. own all the patents yes. for you're the, you're the vigilante
1: troll oh, in yeah, a weird could, way.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, but by the way,
1: I am required yeah. to say I am not a lawyer. Don't do any of this yourself. Don't ever do this. Go, I don't know and, if anyone
0: should take any of our advice ever. Ever.
1: I'm also <laughs> no. not a doctor. That's especially important for some things I've said. No, I play I'm one on, on a podcast. One. Yes. <laughs> well,
0: Thank you for watching. I'm Sorry for any advice that you just took from us.
1: Yeah, definitely, we'll have to get somebody on to say all these things. Uh, that way, it's safer for us. Maybe we should have time. a lawyer present at all times. Let's get a lawyer on here who can who can advise us on all the things we shouldn't be doing. Yeah.
0: All right. Until next time.
1: This is Jacobson. <laughs>